We are live now. Django, mm. tell me, what do you remember about Halloween? I remember that I, for many years in a row, um, went dressed in a uh, an all green, a green uh, bodysuit. <laughs> yes. What um, was that about? What were those green bodysuits? I was just, this is a green man. I think it was, I think it was from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it just like, it never got old to me. Like the joke kept on yeah. being funny to me for like six, six years or something. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking that if you were in front of a green screen, you just kind of disappear. That, just well, be, that's what those suits are, are made for. That's what it's yeah, for. Yeah. It's okay. for um, motion capture. Oh. But, um, I can still see you in it. It's true. It's like the least uh, sexy. Uh, I've never looked good on on Halloween. You know, it's like Katy Perry dressed as a hot Cheeto or something like that. What I remember is, uh, and I don't think this was Halloween, but we were telling ghost stories around the campfire because that's just what you have to do. Uh, When we went camping in Big Sur, do you remember this? And there was a story that visibly unnerved you. I think you were around nine. And uh, I said, Django, I thought, oh, I better check in and see if he's okay before we all go to sleep in the total dark. <laughs> and I said, Django, you, you okay? And you said, I'm fine. All I heard was the sweet sound of blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I do remember. I do remember <laughs> that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember the story, though. Um, oh, I don't either. But I think they were big Sir ghost stories. I think I bought a book at Nepenthe. I think that's what happened. And I, I read them out of there. Hmm. But I love a good ghost story. I mean, m- your grandmother uh, had, it felt like weekly seances. It probably wasn't. But she was, you know, a Parisian. It was like she was from the 18th century or something. She was very into seances and would have them regularly at the house, and all kinds of. It, it was always. It was what like is a what does a séance at home look like? A séance at home means that I'm in bed with the covers over my head, hearing them, knowing that the adults, usually about six or seven or eight, were all around this round table, uh, trying to bring up spirits. Wow. Yeah, and sometimes. Sometimes it involved the Ouija board. Sometimes it didn't. I don't really know the results of those seances. But it, yeah, she was very into it. Well, that would kind of explain why you had a lot of ghost stories later on in life, no? I mean, because e- yeah, either I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a Ouija board. I mean, they, you know. I know, they're weird. It's freaky. There's yeah. a lot of freaky stories that start with a Ouija board. There are, and I... I, I'll bring these up, but um, a little later. But I was interested to see what scientists and neurologists, because I'm always interested in what neurologists have to say about ghosts and what are alternative reasons uh, for seeing them. And some of them are really interesting. One theory that um, my dad used to tell me was that. Um, you know, the multiverse exists and I like that one. What we're, what we're seeing is like a, a split in, or a, a, like a comma or in a glitch in the space time continuum. I think that 
that was like the basis for that new show on Disney. Um, I won't give the spo- spoilers away, but I think that was an element of um, WandaVision. They ended mm. up playing with that kind of same notion. Um, but that, that always stuck with me as like, you know, a possibility. But then there are so many stories that people have where they're being interacted with, you know. And, e- and even those could have a scientific explanation from some of the stuff that I've read, but I am always of the position I don't know. And even when you talk to, you know, scientists like Michelle Thaller, who I got to interview from NASA earlier, her imagination and what she allows as possible is huge and creative and and I think that if you go at anything going, no, I already know the answer, it's not real science. So, you know, who know? I don't know. I don't know is the answer. Well, Do you want to know one possible reason? Yeah. This is kind of wild. Mold, toxic mold causes hallucinations Hmm. and that makes sense why it's always some spooky dark old old house house that is unkempt where something is bound to happen Hmm. toxic mold that's really interesting actually right i mean i think that both of us maybe have one you know there's i i think i have i have a story that sticks out from you know, paranormal. I was never able to explain it. I still haven't fully comprehended it. Um, from when we when we lived in the old house in Albany, um, uh, Chatham, New York. Uh, Chatham, New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. outside of Albany. I stayed in the room uh, of the old owner, um, who it turns out had uh, killed himself at some point, um, and. I, did we know that when, when I moved in? I didn't know that. And for no. sure, even if I had known that, you would not know that. Um, yeah, no. keep, keep that in yeah. <laughs> information. But yeah, I, I didn't know. So I guess the point is that I didn't know that anything would be uh, awry or I had no reason to be spooked out. In fact, I, I thought the house was really lovely. I thought it was so cool and charming and, you know, not the city. Um and I was, what, eight or ten or something like that? Ah, yeah. Maybe I, younger? I'm, I'm so not good with linear time. Same. I think you were younger. I think you were probably around uh, seven. And it's the only time I ever experienced uh, sleep paralysis of any sort. I, not since that time and, uh, you know, never before that. Um, ah, okay. So I've got an explanation for it then. Um, but, yeah, well... It was really interesting because every night, um, like clockwork, and I like I remember I remember the nights vividly. I think it's actually one of my earliest memories. Um, but like clockwork, I would wake up, I would be aware, I would look at the space, and the door would be open, um, even though I started to make note of closing the door, and in the in the you know in the doorway, backlit, because there was like a hallway light on, um, there was a man. And, you know, I remember him having um, older style clothing. And I remember him just sort of watching me. And I remember, you know, kind of 
just trying to focus on anything um, but him. And I remember feeling immense fear. Um, and it would happen, you know, night after night. Um, oh, I, I remember now you had to be around four. Oh, four. Yeah. Right. And so I eventually brought it up to you guys. Or I said, you know, because... It was also weird. It's something I don't know if it was related. It probably wasn't because there was nothing, you know, construction. I don't. I don't know his past. I don't know his history. But at that time, as well, every morning, I would wake up and I, I, I remember. And I don't get this feeling otherwise. Like I, I, I don't get this feeling from roller coasters. I don't get. I, but I know the feeling of like, it's like if you, you know, have a shock in your like on the inside of your mind, like if you, you know, if you close your eyes really tight and clench your teeth, you can kind of start to feel a little bit of fuzziness in your head. It would be like that, but the volume would be like turned up to 11 and it would just be this immense distortion in my mind. And I'd feel it and I'd have a vision inside my head, like in my dream or whatever, of like a construction worker or like a hammer, you know, and it would, it would be that like visual of a man with a jackhammer and uh then I would I would I would experience that feeling and I would wake up and and then after I explained it to you guys I didn't explain that part um but what I what I did explain was the fact that um I was seeing the man and I remember then being taken to a room and Uncle Paris was there and it was I, I in my memory it was very serious but um my uncle had slept in the room, you know, before I had. Um, he, he was the one who was living there until I moved in. And it was like, what did you see, Django? And I was like, uh, well, I saw this man, basically. And he was like, oh, what was he wearing? And I was like, um, well, I think he was wearing a suit. And it was like a 1950s man. And then in my memory, the next thing that happens is Paris goes... That's the guy. I remember this. I remember this happening. Yeah. Because he had seen... You described the suit, and he described the suit, and it was from the 50s. That house was weird. When when I went for the inspection of the house, um, we went in what seemed... I mean, it was it was an old house, Parts of it were from the 1700s, and there were there were shackles on the walls. I remember that. Um, and I, we're gonna do we're gonna do a few. We we got a few stories in from um, people that saw our posts. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But I I do want to hear if you don't mind talking about it because you had a number of um, experiences with the paranormal. Um, but one that sticks out is the, I think you know. I do. The one in the spookiest house of all times. Yep. Would you Would you be comfortable sharing it? Absolutely. And I may even have a scientific explanation for most of it.
your grandmother was very close friends with a woman named Doris Duke, who was famous at that time for being one of the richest women in the world. And Mama taught her ballet. Uh, Doris would, you know, suddenly decide she was going to be, be a ballerina and find the best ballet teachers, or she was going to be a belly dancer, and she found the best belly dancing coaches. So, And in this way, she collected people, and Mama was one of the people she collected and kept as a friend. And we went to one of her house. We went to all of her houses uh, to visit. And there was one house that had quite a history. There were uh, there were a couple of deaths there. Uh, it was called Rough Point in Newport, and I think that you can tour it these days and go through. But it looks like a castle right on the edge of the ocean. It's it's exactly what you imagine in some kind of horror film. It's right on the point, and it's rough rocks and wild ocean. And uh, Doris had closed the house up because uh, in a wild night of who knows what happened, uh, another friend of my parents, uh, Eduardo, who was Doris's decorator, um somehow got folded underneath her car, and Doris was driving. And, of course, he was instantly dead. So she closed the house up for years, and no one went there. And my mother, for whatever reason, um, said, you know what, Doris, you got to open the house up again. you got to get rid... I think she was trying to rid Doris of the memories and guilt and get, get things moving through Doris as well as the house... So Doris went, great, okay, I'm going to do it. And she uh, redecorated some of it, opened the house. We were some of the first people to come and stay there. Now, my sister was really nervous about going back. She, had, she was working with my father at the time, and they were busy. She really didn't want to make the trip. So they were just coming for the weekend, my father and my sister. And Mom and I went for the whole week, and it was amazing. A couple of freaky moments, like, um, you know, we decided, Doris, Mom and I decided to go to the movies, and the gate that didn't open when Eduardo went to manually open it, it was an electric gate, didn't open, Eduardo went to manually open it, Doris switched seats, and the car just went, and he was crushed. Uh, the gate didn't open again, and Doris, <laughs> this, is, God, this is true, Doris asked Mama to go open the gate, <laughs> and I, Mama and I froze in the car. I was a teenager. I was like 14, 15, around there, um, but she did. It opened. We went into town, saw a movie. Everything was cool. Nothing happened the whole week. My sister and my father show up, and she's nervous, and I'm saying, it's going to be okay. Nothing happened the whole week. She's in one room. I'm in a room that had French doors opening to the ocean, uh, and my parents were in another part of the wing. The, the house is ridiculous. I mean, 
old, old-fashioned mansion, enormous ballroom, that kind of thing. So um, we all go to bed, and I'm lying there in bed, and it's a quiet night. All of a sudden, I hear each, each doorknob being tried to each French door, going from left to right, like someone's checking to see if they're locked. And then the weirdest thing, from the last door going towards my door, I heard flapping slippers. Like, that's so unghost-like, right? Flapping slippers going out of the... Well, I scream bloody murder. Everyone came running. I was accused of trying to scare my sister and make trouble, and how could I do it? It was a bad night, and we just all went back to bed. So cut to about two years later, we're at another house of Doris's called The Farm, and it was in Somerville, New Jersey, uh, and we're having lunch. And Doris... Um, starts talking about this housekeeper that she had. And she says, Nanette, which was your grandmother's name. Nanette, you remember her, right? You remember her. Oh, God. She finally took pills and killed herself. But she always wore those flapping slippers. And the family, there, it, it was like whip, whipping heads in my direction. So... Here's the explanation. Sleep paralysis is actually dreaming, and I sleep with my eyes open anyway. Um, sleep paralysis is when you are having the REM uh, portion of sleep and you are paralyzed. Naturally, we all are. It must be some kind of function of getting us not to act out our dreams so we hurt ourselves. So you wake up in a paralyzed state, but you are actually having vivid, vivid dreams. So it's entirely possible that I was in a sleep paralysis because I remember being frozen with fear. And I could have been paralyzed with this sleep paralysis that I've experienced a handful of times, not many in my life, but the flapping slippers, that's the one thing I cannot explain. Yeah, and, and it's fun to uh, find these explanations, but at the same time, you know, in our cases and in the cases of many other people, you know, how did we know those details? That's interesting. Right. And you know, I've I've never I've never I've never had a tendency to have recurring dreams ever in my life. Um nor have again have I had sleep paralysis. So why would I see the same thing in my space every single night in what felt like real time? I mean, it's just it's just, um, it would be, it would be a wonder. It's a mystery, you know, it's, it's, it's abnormal. And, and that's what makes it so. And that's that just, that is interesting. Fun and spooky. Yeah. yeah it's um, true. Dude. 
Hello. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, man? Good, chilling. Um, doing this podcast with my mom. Hey, Sebastian, <laughs> how are you doing? How you doing? Been a long time. It sure has. <laughs> it's really. <laughs> I, I saw a picture of you, and it was like, what? How does that happen? Um, yeah, I wanted. I wanted the same thing most days. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'll. I'll yeah, first of all, what's going on with your band? Are you guys? Are you guys doing um, shows out in New Mexico right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm in two bands right now. They're both like super new, so we just started playing shows. Cool. So we're still kind of like trying to get shows and like a stable lineup. But I mean, they are bands. We're writing music, so I have I think two shows this weekend. Oh, right on. Um, yeah. This will be out maybe on Saturday in the morning. I don't know. If, oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really quickly, like what I remember, well, you know, our friendship aside and everything, but I remember, by the way, can you hear me all right? I can. Yeah. All right, cool. I, I remember. Wait, first I want, before you go into what's happened with Sebastian, I want to know a little bit about what he's doing now. What do you, what, what are you up to Sebastian? Um, well, currently I, I was away for a long time. I kind of got stuck back in Albuquerque during COVID. So I've just been here saving money. So right now I just work at a bookstore during the day. And then at night I'm a ghost tour guide. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been, so we've, been I'm actually, uh, <laughs> we've been reading yeah. uh, uh, spooky stories all day from, from people. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm actually driving home from a tour right now. So, well, so tell me, have you ever felt anything at one of these tours? Where do you land on all this? I mean, I'm very much a believer because I have experienced a lot of things. On the tour itself, I've only experienced like little things. Like what? Um, like here and there. People on my tours tend to get like a lot of pretty crazy pictures as well. Wow. I mean, it's, I, I've experienced little things with like, you know, stuff messing with my clothes or um, <clears throat> objects moving on their own, like that sort of thing. Um, a lot of people actually just tonight, somebody got a picture. Um, I was talking about a window in a building that this like apparition appears in sometimes. And somebody took a picture and there was like a, there was like a face and a hand on the glass with these two like <laughs> ghoulish white eyes. Get, really out. Get out. Yeah. And, so that, and that was, that how do you tonight. react to that? How do you react to that? I mean, it doesn't really phase me that much anymore. No. Well, no, I remember, I remember being in eighth grade or seventh grade with you and we had, we, we sat together on the bus. Um, and you, I, 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 I don't know how it came up, but basically you were like, Oh yeah, I can see through my third eye. <laughs> I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were messing with me at the time, but we were, we were, we were so young and it was like, I, I didn't even know what you were talking like about. What that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you like, you like, I was like, how do you do that? And you were like, you had, you had like an explanation and you were, you were talking with a straight face. So I, wow. I, um, that's so funny. What were you, were you messing with me most likely? I was not actually, no. Ah, um, yeah. and you, you had a men's story, like crazy paranormal stuff happened to you. I just saw something on Instagram recently, uh, with your roommate. I, I don't know. You, you seem to be someone who this stuff is attracted to. Yeah, actually around that time, 
um, like eighth grade is when it first really started happening and it's kind of just continued ever since then. How did um, it, how did it all start? Uh, I, I mean, I, I experienced like some little things as a kid, but it was kind of weird. Mainly it was, um, there was like a particular event in seventh grade. It was actually like through the fucking, like the camping program, you know, at our school. Um, cause you remember like the teacher that led that, like Mr. Hanley would tell all these like crazy stories. But on that trip to the caves out in El Pais, he did this thing where he like took five volunteers with him in the middle of the night to like go do this ritual to try to find these friends that he claimed he'd lost out there like 20 years ago. Oh my God. This is Bravest of the Brave, yeah. right? Bravest of the Brave. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what he called it. Um, so I don't know how much of that story was true, but the night itself was pretty wild. And I saw some like pretty crazy shit. And then about two weeks later, um, wait, wait, mom, wait, 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 he's, yeah, well, he might be allowed to, but oh, you can't say what you they, saw. They, well, at least until senior year, uh, you're not allowed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I generally, I honestly, it's kind of one of those things that I generally just like, don't talk about it. Okay. Still. All right. It's, it's a respect thing. It's like you get chosen to come on the trip and then I the, get, the key is I you can't it. talk about it. All right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how it was. I remember there was like a, a journal that you could write in after the experience. Oh my gosh. I'd read about like what had happened on previous attempts. Uh, but about two weeks after that, you know, I just went home, like whatever. Um, my mom actually saw this thing in our house one night. She told me about it the next day and she thought it was a dream. And like, I came to realize afterwards it was not a dream. I've never had the heart to, you know, <laughs> tell her that because it was terrifying. But um, yeah, she said that she woke up in the night and she saw this figure in the corner of her room, but it was hanging onto the corner in the ceiling. And she said, it looked like this like deeply emaciated human figure with like this, um, like a bird skull face with these two like bottomless black pits for eyes. And it was just hanging there staring at her. She said it was like the most horrifying thing she'd ever seen. Um, you brought that back from your trip. Didn't you? I'm not sure. I thought it was somehow related. Yeah, but ever since then, people have, I actually very rarely see it, but people in my life have, over the years, seen it quite frequently. That same figure? Yeah, like, I, I, it hasn't happened as much the last few years, but, like, I used to have to tell, like, partners and stuff like that, um, you know, if we were, like, sleeping in the same bed, like, yeah, you might have to, <laughs> you oh, might have to deal with this. My and then God. I, actually, I, yeah, I was, I was staying with a friend in Houston, in January, and um, even though we were sleeping in different rooms, they woke up and they saw it, like, the first night I was there. Do you have an explanation for it? Do you have any idea what it might be? Um, well, that's actually, uh, I got very interested in, like, occultism and alternative spirituality because of that, because all of the other things that started happening kind of at the same time. Um, so I, I have... I, believe have spoken to it before a few times over the years um and it it did once give me its name which i, I don't repeat to people but it, it was something that i recognized when i looked it up it, it was like a something that's been written about you know um but it's also it's not the only one anymore um maybe like two years ago now on new year's a friend of mine called me she'd had a dream in which she was visited by this figure and it was talking to her about me um, and how it and like multiple other entities had latched onto me. But, but it, it, I guess it was saying that these things 
sort of like come and go through me like I'm some kind of beacon, you know, like they're constantly passing through me, which which would kind of explain a lot. But um, yeah, I guess it and I think five or six others had sort of latched on permanently. And and let me say let me say also for for listeners and for mom that you're you're like a you're like um a well-adjusted guy like you're you're like <laughs> you 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 pr- you present uh like a clear-minded individual and uh it it that's why I that's why I I tend to uh that's why I've always been drawn to your experiences with the occult, with the paranormal, whatever it may be. Yeah. Sebastian, Sebastian, I have so many questions. One is, why did it have to be hanging there to be even more freaky? It's already got the face of a bird, but it's hanging in the corner. That just is such a weird, awful thought to me. But what does it feel like to you? Um, Are you frightened? Are you affected do you feel like you know it saps your energy any is there any effect um i mean it's it's changed over the years it used to scare the shit out of me well, when, I was yeah. a kid, when, when all this stuff first started happening it was happening really intensely um like i, I would rarely see things but I, I would feel things all the time i would hear things um yeah i remember in my house there was something that would pace outside my room pretty much all night so i, I couldn't sleep like i had really bad insomnia in high school because of it uh, yeah, I'm um, not surprised. Like that. Yeah, and I, I got really into the occult, trying to figure out what it was. And um, so I would often do work with other people. And because I didn't really have a good grasp on it at the time, uh, things would often end up getting out of hand. So I actually, um, some of the times where I talked to this thing was because I ended up dealing with a few, like, possession situations where, you know, I, w- I was like doing this, but, you know, we were kids. It was almost like a fun, like exciting thing. So we'd kind of be dicking around with it. And yeah, I, d- I ended up dealing with a few nights where something kind of took over, you know, somebody in the group and it ended up being like this three, four hour thing of me communicating with this thing, but I didn't know how to get out. Um, one night I was actually, I must've been like 14. I was out in the woods doing like one of these sort of rituals with some people and um, something like obviously kind of came into this kid. He ran out into this clearing that we were camped in and stood there for a few minutes, like from like statues still. And we, inside the tarp, we all started talking amongst ourselves, like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And we look, when we look back out, he was gone. And we spent like 20 minutes debating if we go look for him. Like we couldn't figure out where he was. And after like 20 minutes, this kid suddenly like burst into the bottom of the tarp, but like clawing at us, like screaming and begging for help. And then something actually like dragged him off into the woods. Oh and God. he came back a minute later, but it like, it wasn't him, you know? And then I, I talked to this thing for about three hours before it finally like left and he went to sleep. He couldn't remember anything in the morning, which is often the case. Like when that happened, people wouldn't remember things, but yeah, I, I mean the last few years it's been less intense and I feel like it's more an internal part of me now. Like I can sense the presence of these things, but they feel at this point actually kind of like fused to me like they almost feel like a part of me um the main things that happen now is like i i can very much sort of like feel this energy that i you know sometimes it'll like actively be passing through my body or i'll just be aware of them in the room or other people see things um the last few years what's mainly started happening is i'll see things in the night where i wake up and it's it's almost like sleep paralysis but i'm not paralyzed 
Um, last time, last time it happened was a few months ago because I actually tried to do like a banishing ritual for some like bad energy that I felt was in the space I was living in, and I felt that I hadn't done it properly. And that night I woke up and there was this um, there was this figure standing in the corner of my room, um, and it was like this really lanky, thin, silhouetted woman. Um, with with a broken neck, like her head was resting on one shoulder and she had this kind of thin, greasy, long hair hanging down. And she was just standing there staring at me. So I sat up and started trying to talk to it, you know, because I, it freaked me out because I actually didn't recognize this one. Um, and, you know, and it was saying like, I, I, so I started saying like, who are you? Like, what do you want? And it wouldn't answer me. So I started saying it more forcefully. And then it like came closer to the bed. And as it did so, then I felt myself becoming paralyzed. And like, I suddenly couldn't get sound out right until it was like looming over me. And then I snapped out of it and there was nothing there. Um, but th- those have been kind of like the main experiences I've had the last few years, aside from like other people in my life, seeing the same like bird faced figure that's always been there. That one, that one is like, how does that work? How do you get other people to see it? That's, that's. Well, unexplainable to do you, me. Do you mind if I if I talk about the Instagram story that you just recently posted that I responded to? Oh yeah, because <laughs> you. I mean, even just talking to you now, knowing you for a long time, like you're you're a cool dude. Like you're funny, sweet. But recently, you had a roommate write a letter <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> no, she um. It's, I was living in Portland at the time and I had this roommate who was like very new agey and she knew that I was in the occult and I, I actually studied occultism in college. Um, and for a while she was like interested in it. Like we would talk about it, but then one day she sent this big text to our group chat accusing me of like making her sick by practicing black magic, which at the time I wasn't even actively practicing, right? But she like listed all these symptoms. She was like, yeah, you know, I only feel it whenever you're home. Like, please stop all this stuff. I told her like, I think we need to see a doctor, man. <laughs> but it ended up turning like we had like in-person altercations about this shit. Like it ended up turning into this thing where I had to like flee the house. Uh, I was like worried for my safety. Like she she like wouldn't share space with me. She was convinced I was like a, a devil worshiper who was trying to kill her or like ruin her life. She would like save places in the house where she knew I had been. Gosh. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, w- w- one other th- like when you're talking to when when you when you said that you were talking to the your friend for three hours in the in the field, were you were you talking to something or someone that you were recognized or were familiar with, or was it like? Is is it is it like just something came over him? Or was it something that you, you knew came over him or was it just something? Um, well, that actually wasn't the first time that that had happened with this kid. Um, so I recognized it to be sort of the same entity. And at that point, it was sort of just that one main figure that usually showed up. Um, so I, I assumed it was that. And based off of like some of the parts of our conversation, I also just, you know, assumed it was that. Um, just because I had spoken to it in the same context before. And at, at the time, you know, I was like 14 back then. So that at the time, that was the only entity that had really showed up in that way so far. So, Sebastian, let me ask you, you know how if you focus on something, you, you know, you see more of it. If, if, if you buy a green car, suddenly you see them everywhere. Uh, do you feel like your focus on the occult 
uh, really took your brain into this place where you can see it everywhere? I mean, I, I do think so in part. Yeah. Which, but I also don't think that's like, um, you know, that invalidates it really. Mm-hmm. No. Um, you know, cause it, it was something that it started happening to me. So I kind of got into the occult just in doing research, trying to figure out like, you know, what the fuck is happening to me. Um, do you go to see also, scary movies? I do love horror movies, You do, <laughs> but I see, I got into horror movies after like kind of in high school, like pretty late after this stuff started, started happening because of the time. And I, it still is that way that it felt like sort of cathartic. Like it was like, I was like some of my own experiences were being mirrored in some of these movies. Yeah. Well, um, also horror movies really do perform a service. They allow us to be fearful and then it's wrapped up. It's like we we feel it and we know we can survive it. So, right. you know, it's we like, go through the discomfort and we're still okay. Yeah, it's 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 like bowling with the with the bumper law and it's it's very contained fear. Mm-hmm. Which and that was one of those things that you know when I first got into horror movies, I was like, "Oh, you know, well this is this, this is nothing know, compared to what you've lived right. through. This is nothing with what, what at the time, you know, like in high school, I was like, there's nothing with what, you know, my daily <laughs> routine is like. I, I remember, um, I remember on that same bus ride that I was saying, Oh, what, what third eye, what are you talking about? And you were like, yeah, you can, you can see things, uh, from a different plane. And I was like, what are you talking about? And we were driving by like a, a hay field or something in New Mexico and I was like, "What? So, what, if I looked out the window there, are you saying that I'd see more than just a hay field?" And I, I think I remember you saying, "Yeah, there's, there's, there's figures everywhere." I mean, <laughs> that now, now, yeah. now I'm starting to realize that you were maybe messing with me, maybe just a little. <laughs> I, I don't think I was. I well, because it's, um, you know, because I really see things, and also like the whole third eye thing. It's like a, you know, because I'm, I'm sure you all know third eye is like a, you know long talk about thing in yoga it's like a part of your chakra system and all that so it's a lot more complicated it's like kind of a crude understanding of it but yeah that was something i sort of realized early on and that was kind of the way in which i used to typically interact with these things like through other people is that i kind of just found this sort of ritual work sort of on my own through practice that i would do that would yeah, kind of cause people to have like really intense visions. And sometimes it, it would be something that was r- related to them personally, but sometimes it was kind of like this other force would come in that was related to me and would sort of take over the experience. And usually when that happened, the person wouldn't remember it in the morning. But yeah, typically people would experience visions and they would see all kinds of figures and stuff like that. And when when people see visions or when you do practices to make these things happen for yourself... It, do you have a takeaway from it or is it just the wonder of the unexplained? Um, to be honest, it's not a kind of work that I've actually had the opportunity to do in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the point now where I don't even know if I could effectively, I mean, I'm sure I could effectively do it, but I'm pretty out of practice with, with that particular thing at this point. But, um, but when you did do it, was it, was it to, because you would have realizations about what life was about or, you know, well, at, at the time I, I, I really was just trying to find answers. And yeah, I, yeah, that was part of it because it kind of felt like this branched out thing. Like, you know, there were these things that was around me that were trying to communicate with me, but it was always very cryptic and it seemed very important, you know, and it was always sort of these like pieces to this grand puzzle um, mm. that I was trying to put together. Mm. 
I see. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes now it just sort of feels like I'm living with the, you know, the aftermath of what I was able to piece together or, or that I'm like waiting for the next piece to come, you know, uh, then I, I worry sometimes that I'm missing it, but yeah, I, I, I think I very you should rarely... write this. I think you should write this down and make a movie. <laughs> I thought about it. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's all the stuff of a great horror movie. Uh, it sure. is. Um, yeah. But no, so you, uh, were, were you, were you talking a little bit about how you, you believe there's some kind of like bigger, bigger narrative you, you were talking about waiting for the, for the next piece or missing it. What, what do you mean by that? Do you think that there's some yeah. kind of link between your destiny and these things that you're seeing or experiencing? A, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not really something I really claim to understand much anymore, you know? Um, but it, 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 it did often feel when I was talking to these things, like they were giving me a purpose or that they were putting me on some path for, you know, for a particular reason, uh, which I, I think has in a lot of ways just sort of evolved into the way that I experience the world and like try to interact with people or like my personal views on spirituality in general, you know. And how does it play out in your music? You're a musician, right? I am, yeah. And a, a, yeah. a singer? Um, I play a number of instruments and I sing too, yeah. Does it, does it, uh, do, does it come out in your music? It, yeah, it, it, is a, it is a topic that I try to deal with um, in like lyrics especially and in kind of some of the, I guess, you know, atmospheres I'm trying to create in my music. I, I mostly play metal, so, mm -hmm. and th there is kind of like a, you know, a, a culture within certain subgenres of metal that's very interested or steeped in the occult. So that's kind of just like a natural segue for that, you know. Is there a community there? Like, is there a community of people with a lot of similar experiences? Because I've never, like, I've never really hung out in the metal community. But, you know, if you go there, are there, are there a lot of people that just kind of, like, gawk at what you say? Or are there other people that have also kind of had similar experiences i'm honestly not sure i mean i mean i know just you know there are a lot of people who've had experiences especially if you talk to people who are interested in the occult or people who are led into any kind of like very alternative subculture like you know metal or like occult metal and stuff like that um yeah people tend to have had experiences but like in my personal life it's something i mainly you know discuss like with close friends mm. um and my own experiences do seem to be kind of more on the extreme end of things. <laughs> hmm. um, what about in relationships? I mean, that's got to be hard. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough thing to broach. I mean, you know, because you worry that people are just going to think that you're crazy or whatever. Mm. Um, and it, it, it definitely does take a toll on, because, you know, it's not something that I've ever really tried to push away, which I think that cost of that it is it definitely does take a toll on your mental health um but yeah in relationships you know it it kind of depends on the partner or the read i've gotten off of people whether it's something i bring up or not mm -hmm. although you know in the past it, it there sometimes have been times where i felt like i kind of had to bring it up as like a, you know if you're spending a lot of time with you like this may be something that you have to deal with as well but not only that, it, it seems to me that if you're in a relationship and you're hiding a part of yourself that is, you know, so 
matcha part of you, then you're, you know, if someone says, I love you, in your mind, you're going, yeah, but if you only knew, or you may not say that if you knew the whole story, you know what I mean? You can never really trust and open to somebody unless they're taking the whole, the whole package. Right. I I mean, I think the main thing for me with that is that um, they are experiences that were, you know, very formative and are extremely important and kind of central to who I am and are are all admittedly like very traumatic, you know, like seeing people get dragged off into the woods or, you know, especially when I was around like 16, 17, um, I used to wake up in the mornings like (laughs) with like blood and bruises everywhere and stuff like that. I could never figure out where it was coming from. How could you ever go back to the woods? How could you go back? (laughs) I spent a lot of time in the woods. How could you do it? It doesn't really, I mean, there is an element of fear there, but it feels like, um, you know, it feels familiar now. It's like, it's like a very, it's a familiar sensation. Yeah. And maybe and it feels like it's easier there to interact with some of these things. Oh, wow. And maybe through your art too, you're, you know, like by going to those places and expressing them, you're doing some sort of exposure therapy to a degree, you know, like I think you're, so, yeah. you're like, you're willing yourself to, to, you know, see it in a different way. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, you know, I, I think it's, it's more than just even exposure therapy. I, I kind of think of it as like a form of practice, you know, kind of keeps you rooted and uh, like in line with it. You know, like I said, it's never really something I've wanted to push away. So even, even those experiences are typically very intense. I do sometimes kind of seek them out because I feel like it's, it's not done, you know? Hmm. Wow. And when with the thing with relationships like we were talking about, it's um yeah, honestly the, the main big thing is just that relationships are sometimes difficult for me because it, it is kind of a very yeah, you know, I recognize it as kind of a weird set of experiences that can be very alienating. So sometimes I don't really feel um like a normal, you know, member of humanity <laughs> or society. So I, I kind of feel like these things have sort of taken over part of what I am, even though I don't actively see them, except, you know, through other people close to me or late at night through these kind of like visions that I have sometimes now. I have a thought for you. Next time you meet someone that you're really interested in and they start to say that they're seeing this thing, go, it's okay, baby. Tell me about it. I'm here for you. And just totally support them and believe them. And then maybe someday you can say, yeah, me too. And and you'll both be in the same boat together. This is true. Yeah. I, and a lot of times actually, because uh, there have been a lot of times where friends have talked to me about these kind of things and I have to kind of sit them down and be like, all right, like I need to tell you about this. It's time for the talk. Yeah. Time for the yeah. talk. Yeah. Like that, that time that I like a few years ago that a friend called me and was like, Oh, I had this dream with this thing that was talking to me about you. I'd never talked to her about any of this. And at the time, you know, on the phone, I was like, well, I've, I've told you about that. Right. And she goes, well, no, about what? I was like, okay, let's sit down. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a sit down and you've never yeah. told your mother. No, no, I think it would just, it would be too weird for them. They don't make sure she's um, not neither, listening neither. to this podcast. That's all, all right, I can yeah. say. Neither of my parents really uh, believe in the paranormal to begin with, and even though even though it is actually, I've only discovered recently, kind of a hereditary thing in my family. It's mainly the women in my family, and then me. 
Um, like whenever someone in my dad's family has died, which is everybody except my dad now, um, my mom has woken up in the night to somebody blowing on her face. And then as soon as she wakes up, she gets a phone call from somebody saying like, oh, so-and-so died. Wow. My so wait a minute. When, How can she not believe you? She's, uh, she's right there. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things. It's just part of the you know, Latino. It's kind of part of the culture. But yeah, she doesn't really believe in the paranormal. I don't think she's like aggressively opposed to it. But it's also just I think with my stuff, it's I, I don't know if they would know what to do with it. Really, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they know little bits and pieces just because you can't keep it all hidden forever. But you know, like I, I have that. Um, that like spirit with the bird face. I have it tattooed on one of my arms. So, but really, yeah. For the most part, they don't know about it. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever seen? You said you did see that figure before. That it is historically um, a figure that has been seen in the world. Well, I, I personally almost never see it, but yeah, the the name that it gave me one time is a. Uh, a, a historical name, yeah. So you've never seen it. It's only people around you. Almost always, yeah. I think I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've seen it. Are you concerned in saying the name that it would... Yes, yes, you know, no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to. Don't, I'm just, don't I'm ask just, him I'm to just say curi- it. No, I'm just curious I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just curious as to why, why, you, why you like to keep that to yourself. Um, part of, well, part of it, it was, it was a very powerful name, um, for, you know, a number of different religions or spiritualities and that kind of thing. And also, um, you know, I know there's a lot of, there's a belief in a lot of like religions and magical systems around just the fact that names have a lot of power, you know, and you give away some of that power when a name is known. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like it's, you know, even if you watch like horror movies about exorcisms, that sort of thing, something that is talked about, um, which does have some truth to it is like, it's important to like know the, you know, the demon or the entity's name because then you have like some amount of power over it. But also at the same time, you are empowering it because you believe that it in some way is a guide to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Wasn't there a movie recently that um, if you said the name or something, yeah. that you're, yeah, what, what, uh, you're, you're like the Bloody Mary in the mirror three times kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. there are a few like of them. Five High Man or something like that. Oh, yeah. It was, wasn't that an it too, though? Like it, like you, it, you can't be so. any a clown or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say it. Um, hear it. Dude, well, yeah, thanks so much. That was wonderful, and, and thank you for sharing everything and being open, and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for calling. This was cool. Of course. This was great. Do you want to plug anything? Do you want to plug your tour? Do you want to plug your your, your bands, your shows, um, <laughs> where, where to look out for you? Um, I mean, <laughs> my bands don't have any recorded music yet because they're brand new, but... <laughs> Once they do, um, I'm in two bands right now called Slit Rip Toil. So, cool. What was, the name, of, what was the name of the second one? The second one is Toil T O I L. Okay, cool. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have music at some point. 
Um, y'all are ever in Albuquerque, ABQ tours. That's where I do my ghost tours. So awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank thanks all. for talking to us. Have a good Halloween. Have a good night. Yeah. Good to hear from y'all again. Yeah. You too, man. Peace. All right. Godspeed. Wow. That was amazing, Django. Not what I was expecting. I was expecting a few stories, quick little something from someone who conducts ghost tours in Albuquerque. <laughs> that was, well, we had to let that go on longer than we intended. I mean, respect to him really quick. Respect to him for not um, telling about the bravest of the brave. We did everything yeah, in our Yeah, tell me about that. Kids. I never, I never got to do What that. was this teacher doing and did parents know about it it wasn't like that it was just like it was this it was this thing where where students I a lot of students volunteered only five were selected and they happened to be the five who were like maybe the most spiritually inclined among us i i, I and was not what selected would, what and would happen what what did they go to do they just you know all of us uh, all of us regular people were, would stay at camp, which was great. We would sleep away camp. We were Malpais, New Mexico, and we'd, we'd hang out and, you know, we'd be sitting by a fire or something. And then, you know, five kids would come back shaken and exhilarated um, and say that they will never tell about what they had seen. Um, and it's, it was just crazy, you know, it's like totally... It's like a movie. Totally like, and I'm, you know, the teacher was a, the most respectable, kindest man. Like, it wasn't anything weird. It was just like they all shared an immense experience. And I remember for years and years and years, uh, you know, graduating from that school in, uh, in eighth grade or whatever... Last day, everyone went up to the people who were leaving. And they're like, oh, come on, you got to talk about it, right? Like, no, never, never going to happen. And all these years later, That's you know, Sebi's incredible. Sebi's staying true to his word. So shout out Sebastian Ward. No kidding. Well, we had to let that go on. Let's get to some stories, get in as many as we can. So we got some interesting stories here. Um, we got a lot of we, interesting stories. Thank you, lot. everyone, for sharing. Thank you so much. And there's... They're actually thrilling. Okay, I'm going to read one from Caitlin. And she says, This is the tale of how I ended up experiencing a supernatural event in the middle of being told a ghost story. When I was in college, my best friend, Shaina, always held Halloween parties in her tiny little dorm room. Let me start that again. Yeah, let me just, let me just say, um, we're, we're actually recording in the garage, which is... Um, you know, helps us get into the spooky state of mind and <laughs> the dogs are here and, um, it's, you know, um, it's not, it's worth mentioning that they're, Weird they're noises. literally, well, they're literally just, it's right now. They're just both right now they're humping, but no, two seconds no, ago they were, they were uh, 10 times behind you. You didn't see it, but they were just walking in blind circles around the car. 
you know, I don't know, maybe Halloween spirit is alive and, and well. Well, they're not the kind of dogs used to being in a garage. They don't understand why they're not on the sofa watching TV right now. <laughs> or Tessie, humping somewhere else. <laughs> Tessie, likes, Tessie likes a good football game. And right now, this doesn't seem like uh, it's really entertaining. But I haven't started this story, Tessie, so listen up. All right. This is from Caitlin. This is the tale of how I ended up experiencing a supernatural event in the middle of being told a ghost story. When I was in college, my best friend Jane always held Halloween parties in her tiny little dorm. Ten of us would squeeze in to watch horror movies, drink too much booze, eat a ton of candy, and tell scary ghost stories. From her dorm, we could see the glare from the moon illuminate the large cross that stood upon President's Hall as fog rolled in upon the campus. Can you give us a good foghorn sound? Oh, I take it, take it, take it from a sentence back? Okay. From her dorm, we could see the glare from the moon illuminate the large cross that stood upon President's Hall as fog rolled in upon the campus. Oh. One year... Our friend Bobby began to tell a story about a clown statue. Uh-oh, that's scary. Hey, guys, scary. you should see this clown statue. My name's Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I'm building the atmosphere. No, no. This no, is good. <laughs> no, it's not a child. It's not a child. It's Bobby the adult. Yeah, Bobby's just, Bobby's like a little, maybe he's like, you know, hey, what's up? <laughs> you guys should check out this clown statue over here. <laughs> That's no. spooky, Mom. I don't know. You're the, no, the no, fog no, it's not. With, no, that was good. Do the fog noise again. And then not stop. <laughs> Do the fog. Oh. Yeah, that's good. One year, our friend Bobby began to tell a story about a clown statue his mother had bought at a flea market. The clown sat on an antique table with various framed pictures of family members. He claimed the statue would levitate, hover over a picture, then fall to the ground. One day, it hovered over his aunt. Two weeks later, she broke her foot. Bobby saw the clown hover again, this time over a picture of his grandma. Two weeks later, his grandma fell and was admitted to the hospital. He was nearing the end of the story, where he disposed of the clown by smashing it with a hammer. When blood started gushing from his nose at an alarming rate, as the blood soaked through old flimsy cafeteria napkins, he swore as to never having suffered from nosebleeds in the past. Shaina managed to shuffle Bobby into the bathroom, blood still pouring from his nose. We had the TV on from earlier, but when Bobby's nose started to bleed, it was set to a local news station with the mute on, with Bobby still draped over the bathroom sink, trying to stop the blood, the television turned to full static, like in Poltergeist, and the volume rose by itself. Suffice it to say, the party was quickly finished. Everyone scattered, Bobby recovered, and in the morning, I helped Shane clean up blood-stained mini Milky Way wrappers from the floor. Best Halloween ever. Well, that was, that nice. was good. That was a good one. That was great. That's spooky. There, what is it about clowns? There's just something spooky. And flea markets. Yeah. Flea markets freak me out. You get something. I, yeah, I, I have this feeling that, you know, there's stuff 
that hangs over flea market merchandise. Oh, I don't know. I think it's pretty rocking. You should check out this cool clown I got. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. <laughs> A quick one from Tony. Right, so this happened to my mom back in 83. She used to work at Toys R Us. It was after high school, but before she met my dad. She was at work one day putting toys back on the shelves when a customer comes up asking if they carried Ouija boards. Ah, there you go. Almost immediately, the power goes out. It was storming outside, to be fair. A little while does the power get restored. Of all the cash registers they had, the only one that needed resetting was hers. She used a Ouija board a few times in the past, but was never an avid user. But it was this particular day that made her decide never again, and true to her word, has not done so since. Thank you for your time, and God bless. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm telling you, Ouija boards are weird. Super weird. Yeah. So let me just say what, uh, what, what a few other things besides mold, uh, what can cause sightings of ghosts or the feeling that a ghost is present you're uh, you're ruining holiday spirit as we build it i've got to add these (laughs) neurologist findings i've got to but you know but you can't like with your story the knowledge that you held or with my story how did i flapping slippers that's just not it's just not sexy ghost stuff why would a 14 year old think of that there are these things that cannot be explained it, for these um, explanations anyway. So carbon monoxide poisoning. You mm. can hallucinate. Here's an interesting one. Infrasound. And that's when sound falls below the audible range of human, normal human sound. And it can be caused by earthquakes or weather. And it will make people anxious and paranoid so that you have a sense that something is going on. Changes in the Earth's uh, geomagnetic field, it affects the temporal lobe of the brain and it can actually make you feel sorrow or uh, uh, make you feel like you're being touched when you're not or make you feel a presence other than your own. So there's some strange things that go on with your brain that can cause uh, some of these things. The dogs are All right, no, I'm going to put them upstairs. (laughs) We'll be right back. So from Sylvain, we have a spooky story, and right away, it's in France. I don't know why that makes it. Uh, more compelling to me. Yeah. Let's go back in the night of October 2012 in the city of jean Lee, France. It was that kind of night where the atmosphere is strange, with thick fog and empty streets, approximately 11 p.m. One in two streetlights were on. I was walking with my then-boyfriend at that time. We decided to have a nice stroll as he wanted to take some artistic pictures of the fog rolling in with not much light on. <laughs> no, there was no foghorn. Oh, yeah, no, there could have been, right? It was, yeah, I was, that's the sound that all fog makes now. Yeah, but, okay. But I think that's by the ocean, the foghorn. Otherwise, there aren't foghorns. 
you could do, I don't know, the well, crickets. I think, I think that works. Uh, I think we, yeah. All right, okay. To go back to, yeah. I was, stro- okay, one in two streetlights were on. I was strolling with my boyfriend of that time. We decided to have a nice stroll as he wanted to take some artistic pictures. Ooh, <laughs> nice pose. Uh, good. <laughs> After 10 minutes, we reached a preschool, obviously closed. That building was facing the city's running and soccer stadium. In between was a very long path. Hey, pass the ball. <laughs> In French. We, we're translating this one. <laughs> this is so... <laughs> that, that voice is no good. <laughs> it's pretty scary. No, it's not. Hey, over here, pass the ball. No, <laughs> so because it's night. It's not appropriate. There's no one playing ball now. Well, let no, me do. Play, now, the kids are playing soccer. Let me get through this. That's what he said. No. Yes. Read. It's where the soccer stadium was. It's there. No one. No one is there except her and her boyfriend. And the man standing nearby saying, "Oh, back in my day, I used to say." Oh, he passed the ball. Jacob. <laughs> Sorry. No. Okay. After ten minutes. We reached a preschool, obviously closed. That building was facing the city's running and soccer stadium. In between was a very long path separated with wire fence on both sides. We were at the middle of the path, almost facing the school playground. All of a sudden, we heard a huge little girl scream, as if kids were playing who yells the loudest, though we only heard one girl. Our heads turned at the same time. We were both looking at each other. He was German, I'm French. But at this moment, it was a universal language. We knew what was happening. A blood-curdling scream that made us run as fast as we could. From what I remember, I've never run so fast in my whole life. This sudden scare made us both have goosebumps. Until that day, we'll never know what was or who was responsible for that scream. No one except us was actually present at that moment. No kids, no one else, just us. And I'm sure about that. Oh, and there wasn't any animal that could have screamed that way. It was a human voice. We finally got home and we were thinking about it during the night. And we're still scared. Uh, the, The fog, the fog and the whole atmosphere and a scream like that. Oh. This one is from Mirani. Mirani. I have, I almost, I, I got to believe a 30-year history with Mirani. I have known her since she was a young girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, at conventions. So Mirani says, my grandparents lived in Farmville, Virginia, just down the street from Longwood College. Their house was almost 100 years old by the time this happened, filled with antiques that were even older than the house was. I'm talking those round lamps with painted glass that looked more like they lit oil than used electricity. My room was upstairs, a room that had been in a bedroom, then was converted into a kitchen by my grandfather during the war so that they could rent the upstairs as an apartment, then converted back to a bedroom again. My grandfather did most of the work on the house himself, dug the basement even, There was a lot of history there, but nothing out of the ordinary, except the one lamp in my room loved to play games with me. I would be reading in bed at night, and the lamp would just shut off, making me get up and walk to the other side of the dresser and turn it back on. I only did this when I was older, in the 90s. It gave me the tingles at first, but after a while, I just got used to it. 
I believe my father's story that old lamps with the rotating on switches just sometimes lose their ability to stay in the on position or get bumped loose when someone moves around. Never occurred to me that no one was moving around. I was always upstairs earlier than the rest of the family, lost in my books. One night I had half a page left of a chapter that I was totally immersed in and the light went out. Frustrated, I dropped the book onto my lap, lifted my eyes to the ceiling and called out, Seriously, that's not fair. I had two paragraphs left. Turn that light back on. Sure enough, it came on right away. Oh. <laughs> From that night on, the light or whoever was using it and I had an understanding. Never happened again, and sometimes I could even ask it to turn off and it would listen. Now, a heartwarming spooky story comes from my own home. We have pet rats, a tradition started by me in the second grade. I begged my father to let me adopt the class rat at the end of the school year, and he always said, no rats in this house. Well, he relented by the end of the year, and I brought our first rat home. After a short time, my father stopped expecting me to take care of him, then stopped letting me take care of him because he had fallen madly in love. From that rat came more, all brought home by my father, who became known as Doctoro Ratamanto. <laughs> Everyone knew he was a man who loved rats. His family, his co-workers, and the students in his class all could expect a rat story at some point. He was big on teaching people about the kindness and love in rats before having rats was anything somewhat common. Anyway, fast forward to after my father passed away and our rats were running around the living room playing in their play space until they all got very still. Like meerkats, they stood in a group looking in one direction, listening, sniffing, and waiting. Nothing could distract them, not even the sound of food being unpackaged. I turned to my wife and asked what in the world was going on. Then I realized that they were all fixated on a spot where my father's things were. I laughed, then shook my head and said, Daddy, if that's you and you're playing with the rats, can you please take them to the door? Yes, rats are trainable to do things on command, but ours didn't know anything about the word door or being told to walk anywhere, yet they all went dashing straight to the door in question. Proof my father is still around playing with his grand ratties. I love that one. That's sweet. I would love that if mama or my father would do something. It, that would be, wouldn't that be the coolest thing to that have that so kind of, cool. that's, that's what a, what a cool thing. All right. What do we have here? This is from Gregory. I was married to my beautiful wife, Kihau, for seven years. She was the best thing that ever happened to me my best friend who took me for who I am. We would watch TV at night, and our favorite show was NCIS. She loved when Gibbs hit Tony in the back of the head and would practice on me all the time. We called it a Gibbs. Toward the end of our relationship, after seven years, my wife got sick and passed away from a brain tumor. I told her before she went if there was a way to communicate from beyond to reach out to me. Well, she passed away, and it was devastating. A year after, I was sleeping soundly, and around 12 midnight, I get a smack in the back of my head. I wake up, nobody around. Kihau found a way to communicate to me, and it's been pretty exciting from then on. Another beautiful story, communication. Communication, it's quite remarkable. And think of it like this, 200 years ago, People uh, hearing the sound of our voice in their house 
would be like, what kind of strange magic is this? What if in 500 years we have the ability to talk to people who've passed on just like this? We're, we're not in people's homes, but they're going to experience us as if they're here with us. Wouldn't that be incredible? So cool. Yeah, I like that idea. I love when people have experiences like that. Well, I think that's about all we have time for. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you for listening, and um, enjoy your night. Happy Halloween. <laughs>